unhung, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon or out of the pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3CR.org.au.
Tracia at Fasada and Tracia Digital, Tracia Dorol.au and Tracia On Demand. Out of the pan with Sally first broadcasting noon to one every Sunday afternoon and we're back on Australian Eastern Standard Time. Tracia proudly broadcasts from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and we pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening on all the lands and acknowledge that the land was stolen and never ceded. And also acknowledge that a lot of the language used in a program such as out of the pan covering pan-sexual issues is a more of a Western or colonial nature. And there's lots of ways to get in touch with the show. You can email out of the pan 855 at gmail.com and you can look for posts on Facebook on my page and out of the pan and you can tweet at foulgoldcenter and that's the bottom line. And opened up today with Monique Grundy and Drive Me Crazy and it is my pleasure to have um, on the airwaves, so to speak, and all the internet waves with me, Monique Grundy. Mon, welcome to, well I suppose welcome back to 3CR, I'm sure you're a veteran of the station. Oh, exactly. Yes, I I am, and it's good to um, be on the Zoom with you, um, the airway. Well, um, <laughs> everyone's pronouns and identities are their own, <laughs> and we don't really, but we do like to, we do we respect that very very much. Absolutely, I um I I sometimes feel like it's good to talk about these things because um you know there are people who um just need a reminder of, of um, awareness around, you know, how people identify. And, um, you know, there are a lot of people who are now able to identify um, as to, you know, using the pronouns that they, they you know, feel represent them and who they are. <clears throat> These are, it's, many people have new concepts, and I think it's important to remember that, you know, a lot of people are as maybe far down the track. I mean, you know, in a part of the queer community, the diversity, you know, diverse communities for years in Australia. Um, so it's important to keep those conversations going and to be really open about these things. Um, the thing is, I think you've hit a good point there that things do evolve and um, I always come back to a quote that was first broadcast on this show by a, a colleague of mine who's involved in both bi and trans and gender diverse communities. He said when it comes to labels and pronouns, um, you can try to force a cat into a box but it won't go in but if you put out 17 boxes or more the cat will find the one it wants and happily settle in there and I think yeah. it's a good thing and I think that um, I also am reminded of um, a conference that I was at in January at the Better Together conference where there was people saying well which terms are better you know something like which terms are better and someone said well they're all valid and they all mean to things related to people of different ages and different cultures in our opening of the show, we talked about um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who, in some of our lands, include sisters, girls, and brother boys, and they're all yeah, equally yeah. important and vital and have been well part of humanity since we all began. So, yes, in Samoa, if I've yeah. got that right, um, and I think yeah. they're gorgeous, aren't they? And I mean, different societies, you know, in, in are a little bit further along the track in terms of embracing, um, you know, people from all um, from all backgrounds and um, 
I'm very open and I'm happy for people to identify. I don't know why actually society is so caught up on what gender or not gender people want to identify as. I just don't know what the big deal is. Um, and hopefully, you know, what we're going through right now is going to um, make people a little bit more, um, less fashionable. I think, you know, there's a couple of, <clears throat> couple of things in there. I mean, you know, when you stop and think about it, why do we need to know? There was a great meme a few years ago. Um, if you're out on the street and you see someone and don't have their gender, and then it says one, don't worry about it. Really, do we need to know? Um, I know. Why, why is it any? Why does it affect anybody else? It, it just doesn't. It's, it's crazy. And um, yeah, I mean, I think obviously you and I are aligned in that way. Um, but it is around. Um, I suppose people get used to familiarity and people get drawn to things that they know. And so the more that we have these discussions and talk about these things, the more familiar they are. I mean, when I first came out in 1993, you know, there were no real role models that I had, um, you know, in, in um, really contemporary life, you know, like on mm. sitcoms or um, things like that. You could delve in and find movies, art house movies and things like that. And I hung and got like, repeat it as a movie when I was a teenager. Um, you know, Captain Deneuve and Susan Sarandon, um, getting it on, David Bowie there, you know, so, <coughs> but, you know, I was immersed in those cultures, but, you know, I think that there were a lot of people um, had never had any kind of reason to seek, um, um, to look outside of the things that were just presented to them in their everyday lives. Um, and then my parents and my and, 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 and members of my family members were really shocked when I came out and it was a big learning curve for them to try and understand, um, you know, the difference in me. But, but, but in the end, there's no difference. We're all the same and these things don't, um, uh, they're just a part of us, our, our, how we identify, our sexuality, all of those things. They're a part of us. Um, and sometimes they're not the most important part. I mean, probably the most important part uh, how we um, how we conduct ourselves in the world and 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 how we can strive um, to be better and to be helpful. Um, someone asked me the other day. They said, "Oh, when is it that you feel um, the most fulfilled?" And I, I thought about that, and I I didn't think for very long, and I realised that the times that I do feel the most fulfilled is when I'm giving and helping other people. Um, when the focus is on myself. Um, and that sounds like, you know, I'm not saint or anything like that, but I just know over time when I've been able to help a student or, you know, mentor someone, the things that I really longed for as a, as a young person with define mentorship and things like that, they're the times, Sally, that, you know, I feel, you know, I'm at my best. And, um, you know, how we identify doesn't come into that. We're just people, we're, you know, we're, if you take away the physical form, um, we are... You know, I've always been everybody is equal. And, you know, working with people with, you know, disabilities, working with people with chronic illnesses, these are all areas um, of great learning and, you know, um, realising that you are not the epicentre of the universe, that, that there is so much going on um, that you can do to, um, that doesn't in, involve your own, um, you know, 
developing wealth or these types of things. And these are all the things that, you know, I think are coming up with people right now is like where do we place value? Um, there's so much to unpack there. I want to go, I'll try to remember everything, but I want to go back to where you started there because if you came out in 1993, yes, there were very few um, gay and lesbian role models. Um, and particularly, then we break that down in particular fields, but I'm thinking one thing um, was that the groundbreaking album by Katie Lang, All She Knew, was I think 1992 from then. Oh, well, absolutely. And I, I would say for me that maybe that began to tap into something in me, even though, you know, my sense of identity focused on trans and trans and white slash tan. Um, rather than lesbian, it's obviously quite, you know, close enough and when you didn't have the visibility at that time, I have thought about, was that something that began to probe right down to the bottom of my subconscious and superconscious and even whatever else and get through there? So was that something that, you know, you said that you didn't have mentors generally and probably also in terms of, you know, the whole person, um, you know, yeah. Yeah, and I'll come back to that in a second, but... Was that something helpful, or did you find someone else? Was there anything else about that that comes in? Um, well, I actually felt that my sexuality was something that people used to define me mm-hmm. um, at that time. Um, so the focus, it was a difficult time because I felt like the focus on my art was um, came second to the focus on my private life. Uh-huh. Um, delving in, um, and it was because you know maybe there was a element of people thought that that was sort of um, on the fringes, or or there was mm-hmm. something sort of a little bit um, naughty or um, you know wrong with with me, and maybe I felt there was a lot of projection that was, that was put onto me. So. I mean, as a young person, you know, my background was that I, you know, I tried to make this a company when I was 21 um, and, you know, had really early success in my career. And it's kind of a softy-turvy way to go in, in a career. I think that, um, you know, you're much better equipped as you're older to deal with the pressures of fame and, and um, you know, building into, you know, you really can say or not say um, what we want, but back then I didn't really have those mentors around me that understood where I was because, um, and how I was feeling this, um, feeling different and how, uh, how the, the, um, feelings of isolation were so overwhelming because, um, yeah, I did feel like there was a lack of, of mentorship in my life as a young person. Um, and I think that, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, Katie Lane, was a very inspirational artist for me and, you know, I remember she did that photo shoot with Sidney Crawford where, yes. uh, you know, she was um, six days, I think. And yeah. uh, I just, I love that so much because here was a woman who wasn't butch, who was a supermodel, mm. who was happily interacting with a lesbian um, in this way. And, and, and I think that a lot of um, straight women um, at the time had big crushes on Katie Lang, and I think it actually, I actually think it sparked a lot in in, um, in society um, to actually have this woman like Katie Lang who came out. And Ellen was another one. I mean, you know, I remember she had the show, and um, 
my partner at the time, Madeline, and I absolutely loved it. We just couldn't believe that, you know, there could be this out lesbian on television. Like, it was just the best thing. Um, but there was such a backlash that then she, she went through in her career. And I feel like there was a backlash that I went through in my career too. I do feel like my sexuality um, didn't um my um, commercial um, potential, um, particularly at that time. Yeah, well, yes, I do remember very much the um, the cover of Vanity Fair. It probably should be first dance and all that out. And then the famous, um, you know, um, just as Ellen comes out, she's leaning over the announcer mic in an airport terminal or something. Oh, <laughs> and if they were definitely landmark moments, but I think, um, for sure, um, no question, um, for our, you know, all lesbians in particular as parts of our rainbow community. The thing that I would ask, and no obligation to answer, um, if you are able to, not so much talk about, or talk a little about, the backlash if you're up for it, but also how you got through that might be really important for um, artists, even now, because, I mean, you know, there's a breakthrough on trans performance, but there's still plenty to arms, and then, of course, we go down the proverbial, as much as I hate to say it, in the sense we go down the hierarchy of privilege, and I'm just wondering if there's some transferable ideas in there on what you went through and, as I say, how you got through it that might be useful for artists, particularly in these times where we need every bit of nugget of information we can get. Absolutely. I, I, that's a great question, Sally. And I, well, from where I am now, the, the advice that I would have given myself had I been my own cool. people, um would be uh, to be sincere and authentic in who you are and to be brave enough to see that. And, and so now I am happy to talk about all these things because it brings people closer to you. So as an artist, you know, people want to know, um, they want to know the, the, the intricacies. They want to know um, some, some personal um, anecdotal stories. They want to they want to delve in and, and understand you. And I feel that since I've started doing that, probably in the last decade, well, it's just been a long time, and I'll get back to the first part of it, that... Um, mm-hmm. I felt that it's, it's allowed people to have more of an insight into who I am. And um, I think that's happened on social media where I'm interacting really one-on-one with people and, you know, able to um, not hide, not veil, not veil who mm-hmm. I am. Um, and so that's the, that's the part of it now as a, as a mentor that I would say to, to artists out there who feel that they um, are struggling in some way with acceptance of who they are um, the people that uh, you should, um, the, the people that will connect with your art are your, they, they are your beautiful family of, of um, creative supporters and they're the people um, to really embrace and, and, and um, be grateful for. Um, you know, I've had people follow my career for, you know, 20, 25 years and they are my core um, fan base and I'm very loyal to them and they're very loyal to me. And I think that, um, you know, you're not going to have, no artist can be liked by everybody. So I think mm. you need to let go of feeling like you have to please everyone and also to be, um, you know, success is measured in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we measure success? Well, I think these times are showing us that we measure success 
we probably be measuring success in the wrong areas. Um, you know, um, financial gain, um, fame and notoriety, these are things I could hear. And if you talk to anyone who's had any amount of fame, I would tell you that is not the pathway to having a holistic, successful life. Now, of course, it's a um, conundrum. It's a, you know, mm. it's a, because we are artists and we need people to like our art to survive. So there's this, you know, all the duality in our lives. Mm-hmm. That we have, we, most artists have probably, you know, I mean, someone said to me the other day, oh, you know, I read this article and famous musician who said he never felt any kind of insecurity. Well, I don't understand that. I mean, my whole career I've been insecure, you know, um, about, you know, what, is this art, is this saying anything, you know, this is a thing that we just, and then, you know, global things will happen. It's like, what am I writing about? Oh, you know, so I think you've got to let go. Another thing is to let go of second-guessing yourself and trusting your internal voice. That would be another thing that I would say. But, you know, when I was a young artist, um, you know, on a major little company, Sally, um, you know, there, the, there wasn't the knowledge around um, diversity that... Um, mm-hmm. People thought they knew they came out of the sixties or whatever, and <laughs> yeah, I took LSD, you know, I know. But really, it's a it's a um, an emotional maturity that was required for me to some to have people around that really had that. So I always say to artists as well to seek out um, people who really um, have that maturity um, of depth of thought about you. Um, so it's not just about you know, giving you, trying your bone, you know, oh, here you go, um, here's contact, good luck with that, and I'll, you know, I'll see you when I see you, you know. It's more about a follow-up and how, and, and, and how you're going and listening, you know. So I think um, being able to give your time to other people, um, so to other artists, to family, to friends. So you have a you start to create, as an artist, a whole picture of your life that helps to sustain you in times when you're in between making records or in between making works or whatever. Um, you need to create a holistic approach to your life without just the focus on the end game of fame, wealth and notoriety. Because if you, if you have that as your benchmark, you are going to be easily, easily disappointed in your life. Like, you know. And so for me, having fame at a young age created this unrealistic expectation of what mm-hmm. what I thought success was. And it was a terrible, terrible trajectory. Like, we do not want to have a career trajectory like that. Through that, you asked me what happened. Well, I became really reclusive, and I suffered mm-hmm. really bad depression. I was very isolated. I, you know, I went through some terrible um, feelings of self out and um, self-loathing and I wouldn't wish that upon anyone and so if you're an artist out there and, and you know I my advice to you would be you know at this time I mean these times are unprecedented I mean we've mm-hmm. been a hundred years since we've experienced the pandemic like we have but it's really just um, embracing um, the day and doing those small mind creative hearing thought processes to get through the day and try to feel better 
you know, if we can feel better. I went to see Nick Cave play, and he said, I remember he said, um, he was good, good with him, just like yeah. he was sober. And he said, I don't care what people say. When I'm depressed, I can't write. Yep. And I can't either, you know, so I don't want to be in this depressive state, you know. I want to be, I want to try and elevate myself. And, you know, the thing is, some days you are. And so to know that when you feel like that, it's okay and just need to heal, take the pressure off yourself, regroup, and try to be creative when you get the inspiration for it, you know. Don't be too hard on yourself. Wow, there's excellent, well, we're, put, we're building mountains out of mountains here, but this is, this is just so awesome. Um, I think you're, you're very, very right. I think there's one thing that kept coming out of there in the first place, and that is know your authentic self as a person, including as an artist, and that's where the best work comes from, and I really want to affirm now, I think that the other thing I suppose, if you are authentic, you know, it is the you know, law of attraction. You attract the people, the fans into your life that you want, and thinking also of that person said, oh, I've never felt any security, but yeah, sure, I think it was the amateur psychiatry coming up, but I think that person might have been blocking their feelings. But I suppose the other side of it is you go after the fame, you're going to get people who are not the people you want in your life too. Um, Heaven forbid, you know, nasty people of any sort, so let's not get that. And I think that, you know, gradually the that sort of, you know, attracts people in and then you now it goes forward and goes forward and the energy will work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. So that's very, very awesome to hear all that. And particularly in these times where artists are struggling as well, we're, we're going to have to find more, you know, diggers. We're just, you know, it sucks in one sense that we're going to have to dig a bit deeper. Um, yeah. But we, we, we have the power to do that. And... I think the people like us are going to, you know, see the, the nations after the darker age um, when we emerge from this in however many months, time, six months or whatever it is. We're going to need people um, like yourself and all, all the artists and all, all that sort of thing in there. I was going to go back to... They things to learn, aren't they, online? I mean, yeah. um, artists are um, presenting works and keeping people engaged and... And, and, and affecting people's moods with the beautiful music that they're putting out. Um, I sat on my stairwell the other night and listened to some friends of mine playing, had a glass of wine and just had the music blaring through the house. It was beautiful guitar, cello music. And it was so healing, you know, and, you know, my dog felt it, I felt it. I felt connected in that moment and music has this wonderful power to do that and art will, you know, be always in abundance and we need to, you know, obviously, <coughs> I've been very buoyed by, you know, the, the arts, um, you know, um, in Tasmania, you know, grants and came out, you know, Africa's been really proactive, publishing houses, contacting artists, saying there's funds here for you, um, if you've actually made any money, that is for publishing. But, um, you know, there, there are, um, there is sort of this infrastructure here, um, uh, to help and assist artists, um, there are great funding opportunities available. But you know, it's really hard, Sally, isn't it? Because it's like, you know, I went into music, wanted to play music, and now I feel like some days you have to be a marketing expert, a business master, an online guru, and so these are the things I think that really actually get artists sort of depressed. Um, 
is this overwhelming feeling that you don't know how to do all that stuff real well because you want to play or create your art, you know. So there is a fine line now, and it's how do we navigate through this time, I suppose. Yes. Well, a couple of things come out of that. Um, one is that the City of Melbourne have announced um, some artist grants, and I'm sure other local government areas here in Victoria will probably follow suit and probably others around the country. Um, you know, others around the world as well. I think that's something we can do to tap into at time. I think that I'm on a note that interests me as a 3CR student, so there was some um, funding from somewhere for um, continuing um, journalism in these times, which is going to be right. good too. Um, yeah. But um, the thing is. Yeah, and so there'll be funds coming through the Australia Council, um, Art Tasmania, um, the local um, Hobart Council here. Um, yeah, there's, there are a lot of resources available um, at the moment, and um, it's sort of it's great to see Outside has got a, a new mentorship um, program that's come out for women. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, we can really look at those things as artists and see if there's something that appeals to us. It's a kind of collaboration, too, so we don't think. Like, yes. Yeah. You know, of, of, of people working together. You know, you you um you work with your colleagues to find new ways to do things. Um, you know, to transfer your skills and try to get the virtual um teaching in place. Yeah, and I think it's actually your word collaboration that reminded me of something there. But um, you know, as an artist, yes, like anyone else, really, you are a small business, a self-employed person, and I'm reminded of a book which may be helpful for people in this way called The Genius by, and I can't remember the person's first name, it was the family name was Gerber. And it talks in rough terms for anything, whether you're in fact you're a small business or not for profit or a corporation, there's roughly three parts. There's the staff, in which case you're either talking art, um, there's the strategy and marketing, and then there's the management and admin. And most people are yeah. usually good at two parts. There's whatever stuff they do, because that's your natural authentic self, and then there's one or the other. And your truly um, has a, uh, trust me, on a trained accountant, who's good at the admin stuff, but I fall down personally on marketing. And that's where collaboration and perhaps some form of barter or pro, pro bono for each other that, Absolutely. you know, I don't know if you're... You find an accountant who does book work for you, for example, you can do a show for them and their friends rather than pay them or something like that. It's probably yeah. what we need here. And yeah, um, I need people in my life. I'm having a wonderful web designer, um, so I won't um, do any catch for comments in this community rush show. If anyone wants to contact me, get in touch. And she helps me in a way with my marketing, but I admit that's my weakness, so I think. Collaboration will say artists to artists, but also collaboration in terms of those parts of things is, well, up now ultra important um, so that we can keep producing stuff through this and then, well, you know, sort of get back to, well, we'll call it, I'm calling it almost pretty much, but it's been like from the Australian context. Absolutely. I think it's um, that's great that you said about, you know, um, this book, E. Enix, the Enix, yeah. Um, that's great, I'm going to check that out because I do think that that is relevant for most people. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I have been working in this way in the last few years, so, you know, working with animators or film directors or whatever to say, well, you know, I can mix the music for you or do some soundtrack stuff for you 
um, if you can create some visual content for me. Um, so, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll play in your record if you play on mine. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You know, so these types of things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think as an artist, it is important, or if it's a person out there, to identify, you know, where you might need help and um, to not be afraid to reach out and ask for it because the reality of it is that every single person is going through these feelings um, and thoughts of, of um, worry and anxiety probably on a daily basis and some people present that they're not um, I think in these global times most people are pretty much admitting that it's been difficult um, but prior to this you know it was very much like oh those people have kind of got everything they've, they've kind of sorted out but the reality of it is that um, we know that most people um, just just do the beginning condition you know have these, um, these worries and concerns well, absolutely. I think that, you know, well, as a society, um, we live in, and I'll put, you know, this was, um, you know, in terms of going to air, this um, conversation was visually, you see me doing the air quote rabbities type of thing. We live in a society that is predominantly, you know, the common masculine and, you know, cover up your feelings. Can do it anyway? We'll do it anyway. Um, <laughs> just... That's the fun. I think that we block our feelings um, because we we live in this predominantly masculine society. You know, um, I must feel a bit. Obviously, saying the following phrases, you know, toughen up, get over it, or God, heaven's his man up, whatever that means. Oh yeah. And I think that um, one of the things that maybe will come out of this whole situation is we'll have a huge reevaluation of that as well. We've built up structures that were on chunky foundations, and now. A lot of them, the foundations are cracking. Well, we've got to rebuild structures and use a reasonably favourite phrase. My question, the question is not just um, look for answers. So there might be something yeah. out of that. Said we're going to have to admit, yeah, I'm cracking up. Um, you know, and I say that both generally and, well, to some extent, I'm, I'm not immune from this either. And as someone who does yeah. feel things in greater length, depth and breadth, it's, it's, it's not an easy time. But... It's about one minute where that person A is reaching out to B and then B sort of gets back to A. So, you know, this is the thing, the problem blocking things and storing up negative energies, we get them out there and turn them into positive. Uh, it could be something that becomes really good. <laughs> I wanted to go back to something earlier um, and talk about, you know, quite rightly, we are all souls, um, you know, when it comes down to we're all people. But then, outwardly, there are things that might make us, and I'm going to use different in a neutral sense of the word, um, start with um, different can be obvious, neutral or negative, I suppose, and we are all different, and that's fine, but it's unfortunately where people view different negatively, and in a way that we could call prejudicial or discriminatory, that's the issue. And, you know, what sort of, um, not sound obvious, but I'll get you to put in your own words, what do you think? we can do to, you know, make, get different more from, say, negative through the neutral and then positive because I need your music and um, you, you need my radio interview and, you know, in other times um, we need the people who, well, I use a simple analogy, we're all car repairers and no computer repairers. Well, we'd be able to get from A to B, but we wouldn't be able to socially and then if we're all computer repairers, well, that's useful perhaps a little at the moment, but generally... <laughs> Um, we'd be, have great computers, but we wouldn't be travelling anywhere. So we need everyone. 
Um, yeah. But I guess the first put in your own words how we can keep moving to a better place um, in relation to how often different as it in terms of attributes like sexuality, skin colour, um, mm-hmm. I'm speaking from that last one myself, of course, but um, you know, all these things that we can move to better places. Yeah, I think it's, <coughs> for me it's just a simple answer and one that I find um, sort of propels me forward into a positive mindset is to um, try to be <coughs> thoughtful and respectful um, to everyone that I meet. <coughs> Sorry. Um, to try and um, acknowledge the skills that they have. And look, you know, there are going to be some people, obviously, that you have interactions with who may not be the people that give you the vibration or the energy that is going to, you know, um, assist with your, like, meld with yours and be a positive thing. And, and I think if you can identify that, you know, not everybody, not every, not every two um, beings are going to necessarily connect. But I think that if you can approach life with more optimism, and less pessimism, then I think that your life will um, move in a direction um, that, as you say before, will bring people to your life that um, are your clan. Um, you will attract people to you that um, are your mob and are going to fulfill you. But also, to if people are coming from a different place, sometimes it's important to open yourself up to listening because there's there's often very little um, that we learn by talking because we're just telling the things that we know. Um, This is just, you know, from a personal perspective, what I've found is when I actually listen, so, you know, I'll go and have a piano lesson with my second cousin who's a wonderful woman in her 80s, and if I went to her for a lesson, and she, um, and I spent the whole time telling her and showing her what I do, I would come away from that lesson not having learned anything new. Yeah. And so I think, I think listening is a, is a key um, that we all need to have more patience just be open to listening to other people's stories, other people's ideas. Um, as you say, question the questions. You know, I like that. I think that that's, um, that's necessary, not just to accept. You know, mainstream media um, news. You know, just to just to make up your own opinions on things. Be more open to um, yeah discussions with, with people from different walks of life views. Yeah, that would be the thing that I'd look at, probably. No, absolutely, yeah. And, um, you know, but no, I think that, um, you know, in terms of that listening, as you grow yourself a bit more, it's sort of that links into the people you attract into your life. I mean, try to, I use an analogy, leap across the Grand Canyon to the people who, as much as they don't like binaries, I'll use the term really opposite to yourself, might be too hard. So take small steps and find someone in the ballpark next door and then the one across from that and go on. I think it's really good and that way you can stand. But of course, in terms of listening, we don't have, as much as The Matrix is a wonderful movie created by 
who wants to transfer the minor and Lily Lukowski. Um, we don't have head filters on it. We can't tap into a matrix on day one. We've got to learn and listen and take in information. And also, I'll say, use a favourite term of one, uh, creative and and down, unlearn things as well. And mm. you know, that, that's the issue. They have these groups, but if they're not serving us, then, well, use a gardening analogy, you might have to get the spade out and pull hard and uproot that thing that is growing in our garden that we don't need. And, you know, that is poison, just uproot it. You can do that. That's right. Yes. So, um, Let's look after our environment, definitely. <laughs> And, you know, it might lie fallow for a while and then something new that we want will grow that we can, um, you know, psychologically and emotionally and often spiritually plant for ourselves. The, re- the initial reason <laughs> that I've got you on this day today, which almost seems, you know, you know, if I can say it honestly, almost seems more, but I've got to mention that you've um, put out some new tracks um, that <laughs> collection. And yeah. we opened up with um, one of them on the show being... Um, um, I think you played that drive, drive Me Crazy. Yes. Yeah. yeah, tell us a little about that one and that linked into creative processes, how it came about, was there any inspiration for it, those sorts of things? Well, my inspiration for that North Valley was about um, not accepting that monogamy is for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. We have these ideas around, you know, looking for that forever person. And I I feel that in this part of my life I'm questioning whether that is that leads to happiness for everybody. I mean, I think at this point in time, you know, everyone's been forced together um, in houses and dwellings and I'm concerned for people's safety. Um, because I do think that sometimes people stay together out of obligation. Um, I think that, you know, look, Everyone's journey is different, but um, the, the song is questioning, um, you know, happiness can be found um, not you don't, not everybody's seeking a forever partner, and um, and that's okay, you know. Some people aren't seeking a partner at all. Um, so there were so many songs, Sally, that were written about finding forever love with one person. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to write one about sort of flowing that notion kind of under the water a little bit. Um, but I'm also reminded when I did go some years ago regularly to the Holly Vick discussion group and that year we spoke to people want to find out more about polyamory. Someone said, yeah. um, if you think polyamory is tri- it's hard, try monogamy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good call. If that is where you're at, if you, if you are someone who can, who really needs to uh, have more than one partner, and of course, um, two basics of um, polyamory, multiple ethical relationships, you know, everyone needs to know and everyone has to consent with it. If that's something yeah. that you can work there yeah, and that's going to make you happy and no one else is harmed really because not, then that's fine. And I agree with what that person said, um, you know, and that's stuck with me for almost um, for 10 years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah trying to love me. Yeah, this is very funny. Um, I would have fallen about laughing if someone had said that to me. I found that really amusing. Um, I I agree, I think, I mean, I, I've just noticed a lot of friends, um, a lot of people that I know, you know, um, in these long-term relationships, um, there's a lot you have to put up with and, <laughs> and do um, to stay together. And yeah. uh, I do worry about people in these times. I worry about domestic violence, mm-hmm. um, real things. 
um, a real a real problem and um, you know I just think that I'd rather be alone on my own and alone in a relationship um, so I just think yeah it's about connection with people and um, finding like-minded people but yeah drive me crazy we shot the video down at um, Willismith Apple Orchard um, in the Seward Valley um, and I play lots of different characters in the music video. Um, I play the quality control inspector, mm-hmm. um, who's actually a very important person in these kind of studies. So they're, they're looking yeah. at that sanitization and um, you know procedural things within the orchard to keep things going. Um, I also play um, a lesbian um, or, uh, apple picker um, beanie girl. We named her, and her love interest Bethany. <coughs> so Bethany, Bethany. Is that typical, um, I hate to really use this term, but it's true, like, as a lesbian growing up, it's like the straight crush, you know, you, 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 you fall in love with a straight girl and they love to flirt with you, but they're never, ever, ever going to be yours. You know, they're mm-hmm. never going to, you know, go there. But you keep trying because, you know, um, back when I was a teen, you know, I was like, well, I don't know even how to identify myself here, like, I mean, we had activism here in Tasmania, but it was still, I mean, sodomy yeah. wasn't legal. I mean, they said homosexuality, but really that's what they were talking about. Yeah. Um, and that, that didn't change until the mid-90s here in Tasmania. So I was up in an era where it was actually illegal to be homosexual yeah. um, at that time. Um, so I, everything was hidden and veiled. So there are a few things in this music video and in this song. There's a lot of there's a lot there. It sounds like it's quite a, um, it's like a, a, a mellow kind of rollicking little song that, you know, has a nice melody. But there's these threads that all run through my music that um, are based on my life, I suppose, my experiences. And, um, yeah, the video clip was a way that I could also show a humorous side because I think one of the best things that you can do in your life and development as an artist is learn to laugh at yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, and not take yourself too seriously. So I really, um, I really had a great time making this, and um, I worked with a videographer, um, Emma Phillips. Um, and she's a wonderful photographer we met years ago. We, yeah, and uh, she, she was great to work with on this. Yep. Just wanted to mention um, because we have had a few topics come up like depression and family violence. Um, remember to call. Um, for in general terms, both of two life, including Switchboard here in Victoria and Tasmania, 1800 184527, and also the With Respect line for Victoria, which is 1800 LGBTIQ, 1800 542 847, if we open and need those services in these times. So, yeah, there's um, some yeah, very much some subtlety to, um, you know, drive me crazy in that sense. Um, because, it, as you say, it has this very laid-back, more acoustic-sounding guitar. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, sort of, um, but then has that sort of opposite side in its lyrics and in the clips. I should ask where can when people view your um, clips and get your music at this point as well? Everything can be found online. Monicgrumby.com um, <clears throat> is where you'll sort of pack in to um, the music videos. But, you know, my YouTube channel is just YouTube forward slash Monique Grumby. And all my, um, all my music and merchandise is available um, on Bandcamp. Um, so I've got rare albums and um, 
Yeah, my friend said, right, in these times, you've got stuff to sell. I said, really? No one's going to want to buy that shit. She said, yes, they are. Put it online. And so I've been really overwhelmed, actually, by, um, you know, people wanting old, you know, have like four um, 1998 even 5 ETs, and they just sold, you know, they sold really quickly. People really wanted them. I was really surprised, actually. But I think it's just that comes to the core of the artist, you know, and I don't think there's anything wrong with um, a little bit of healthy um, self-doubt because I think it could be good to be better. Um, but I, I do think there's a fine line still on those jobs and that. But, yeah, you can find all my stuff online. Bandcamp's where you get all the digital downloads. Um, and for some of both I, you know, I can do that. And, yep, and the other song, new song that you can find um, on all of those places is AI, which, yeah. you know, well, tell us about, I'll let you just, I'll t- get you to tell us about that one in your own words, music, lyrics, and ideas, and, um, you know, sort of moments of inspiration for that one. Well, it's interesting because, you know, I put that song out, you know, about two months ago, <coughs> and it's about thinking about a futuristic world um, based on um, the way that we were moving away from human interaction and um, going more for, um, you know, um, digital uh, artificial intelligence. Um, and so my thinking around this was human beings, you know, um, groups developing um, artificial intelligence, developing so um, they have their own networks, um, conversations, um, data sharing, um, ways of viewing the world, um, and economics and societal values. Yeah, humans, humans that interact with AI and other humans. Humans that only interact with humans. AI that interacts with humans and AI and AI that only interacts with AI. So I saw these groups developing in my futuristic mind and I wrote this song about um, us getting further and further away for the need for human um, interaction um, and what that looks like, um, you know, for the lyric is I used to have human friends, but not anymore. Don't put your arms around me, I can't take anymore. And then suddenly, two months later, mm-hmm. artificial intelligence um, and these ways now of us being, you know, physically disconnected and isolated um, seems to be part of, a part of it all. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a really, really exciting song to write. Um, because it's very rock in its genre and it's very different to um, Drive Me Crazy. Um, and that's another thing I'll say to artists that, you know, a lot of artists I work with um, think, oh, you know, I don't know what my sound is, but, you know, some of my stuff's country, some of my stuff folk, some of my stuff pop, you know, I don't know what I am. And I said, don't worry. Just do whatever is right for the song. Like, if, if you write a rock song and then you write a hip-hop song, who cares? You know, we're, I think we've, we've gone past that, um, you know, that formulaic kind of model mm. that was around in the times of when major record companies really, you know, screwed artists around, you know, trying to push them into these little tiny categories, you know. And it's people we're much more than that. So freedom of expression. So all these songs on the album, Sally, are very different to one another. Um, I don't like to categorise myself. I mean, in, you know, people are like, what's your genre? And it's like, oh, I don't know, indie, indie pop rock, um, old country, I verge into that sometimes, a bit of electronica sometimes. So, you know, I just think it, um, labels are, are 
can be dangerous. Um, and when artists start putting labels on their own work, I think they're limiting um, their, the scope of, of what they can do in terms of production. I mean, the song can be produced in many different ways. I chose to produce AI in a sort of a hard even kind of rock way. Um, the music video was animated by Kiss, who's a, a wonderful musician down here at the Conservatorium. Um, but he also does animation, and um, I went to an independent film night here, and I saw the work, and I spoke to her, and asked her to, if she would be interested in doing some animation. And she was. And she came back with these sort of little slides of, like, Tinder. Um, uh, yes, you're in, wife, you're out, wife, you're in, you're out. And um, I think that that's very interesting um, because I, I hadn't been on Tinder and I didn't know what the platform looked like. And I showed my friends and said, oh, that's Tinder. And I was like, okay. So then through the music video, um, I end up choosing a robot as, as my love interest. And um, the footage of these vintage robots that have seen the clip um, came uh, from an exhibition um, in Germany um, that had been put together by a collector of these robots. And... Um, you can see it on um, the, the um, references and things that are on the clips themselves. And if people want to, if they're interested in vintage robots, I just find them fascinating. You know, robots from the Japan, America, um, in the in the fifties and sixties and seventies. Um, so I cut together the footage of these vintage robots with the, the animation that people found with me falling in love with a robot. Um, so yeah, it was a really fun clip to do. It was a really fun song to do. Um, yeah, and we launched it just before everything shut down, Sally, so. Well, look, I think there's something in that that, you know, it's, that, you know, again, we could conversations at the moment are still sort of, as I say, splitting into before March 13 and after, so to speak. Yeah. I think that it can, in a way, relate to both times and we'll be able to, that quickly will have the song help us and quick help us contrast perhaps where we've been going a bit off track and you know losing the human touch but also how we can use well not so much artificial intelligence but um, things that aren't so uh, human and use them in better ways and you know, to use mm. one of my favourite things to um, quote Batman for good and not evil purposes Robin because <laughs> I think that we've gone perhaps too far with some of our technology that it's lost that human touch and it can't no, sorry, technology can't really feel. Um, yeah. And I think that, again, one of the things that will come out of this is that we're going to have to get back to humanity and feeling and the creators, the artists, who are not limiting themselves, who are just that. What I was going to be a bit tongue-in-cheek and say, what genre am I? Artists. <laughs> I think, think is where we're going to go because we're going to need lots of new creative solutions and so just um, the last thing, the, um, you said the two tracks are part of an album, is that correct? Yeah. Yes, Sally. Oh, you're, you're all over this, Sally. You're amazing. Um, <laughs> yes, you're very, very sweet and thoughtful. Um, the album is called Closer to the Truth. Um, it's a, one of the songs on the album. I'm basically doing a video a month. Um, which is it's making it difficult of not being in the same state as <laughs> my new officer. Um, but these are the funding opportunities that come about in collaboration with locals. So I'm working with some local people um, in Tasmania, but also my videographer, Emma, still, um, we're working on um, some more music videos. But yeah, so there'll be a video every, every month. The next one will be out in a couple of weeks. Um, and I wanted to do this. Um, 
I know the Billy artist is this with, with her record and um, I didn't do it for that reason. I read that later. But I just decided that I wanted to have some visual representations for my work. Um, and it seems like it's a good time for that. I, I don't know. I must have preempted it or something. Um, I've never really released that many singles from my records and I think I've done myself a disservice there because um, of the diversity of my songs. I think people have never really, um, you know, people outside of my fan base. I wanted to give people a deeper insight into my writing, um, so I decided to just create some visual stimuli for that. Oh yeah, and more senses that we can connect with. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll find a way to do smell over the internet. I know. I was thinking that. I know. It would be so good. I would be. I, I would be like, because I'm big on scents and things like that. Yeah. I smudge my house all the time and. Um, you know, I'm always lighting, you know, fragrance candles and things mm-hmm. like that. You know, I never walk past the rose without smelling it, you know. Um, so, yeah, I'm big on that. It would be amazing if we could do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do we get smell, taste and touch over the internet? And yeah. um, just talking fragrance candles, that's nice. <laughs> Lovely, that's nice. Um, I love the candle in the glass. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's something really nice about that. So, yes, we need um, to find the positive sensory stuff that works for us at this time. And we do. And that's another thing, isn't it, Sally, that we can do is to, you know, make our home environment um, or where we are um, conducive to um, yes. productivity, creativity, relaxation. Um, so, you know, we were talking off, off air about, you know, um, you know, just simple things like cleaning the house, people are like, oh, moving stuff around, decluttering, I mean, yeah. these are things to be doing with your time, um, and rather than feeling this listlessness, it's sort of, you know, it's just to sort of shake yourself out of that. Yeah, well, I've got to say, um, I sort of twice a day, pretty much, and I would spend some time at the office, and some time when I worked from home, I missed them being a totally lazy slob, and it was having the laptop in bed, and like, the space that I had for my office had become somewhat um, abandoned and I thought, well, I probably can't get it, so I reactivated it. It did mean some decluttering um, to make space for everything and keeping getting the filing up to date and there are just little things like that that we can Absolutely. do in time. But yeah. the thing is, we can also listen to it. Um, they communicate each other's art and give and receive that and on the art and the insights that you've given today for, for Out of the Pan has just been enormous and I would say that I feel uplifted just having this conversation. Um, so I know that our listeners will be, and I will want, do want to say to our listeners that whilst um, because shows in, you know, we have to break of some sort of fourth wall here, shows are being pre-recorded and sent into 3CR. I do remind our listeners that during the show um, we can interact through all the usual means of communication, just can't get comments um, on live swear, of course. So we'll still have that sort of interaction as well. But Mon, an absolute pleasure to have you on, and of course thanks to our dear mutual friend Andrew, who um, um, yeah, yeah. answered it, um, Super Ange, and um, look, um, just, you take lots of care, everyone take lots of care, but Jane, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Sally. It's been absolutely wonderful to talk to you. Lots of love to everybody listening. Thank you. Thanks, Sally. on Out of the Pan, 3CR, 855am, and we'll take it out with AI. Thanks for listening to Out of the Pan. I'm Sally Goldner. Catch you next week. <laughs>